Hey everyone, Marilyn Hughes of the Out of Body Travel Foundation. We are here for your questions, continuing on from 55. Uh, we had a little technical problem. <clears throat> My apologies for that. So we were talking about um, the uh, issue of what happened at the end of the Mysteries of Redemption with, um, with uh, the uh, the the life review that occurred in the out-of-body travel state, which is very similar to what near-death experiencers have, uh, have happened to them during their death experience. Welcome back, Star Ether. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> and uh, everyone else, I hope you jump back in. My apologies. We hope that the uh, internet connection holds it up with us here. Welcome back, Paul. Welcome, Adriana. Great to have you all back. Um, and so, so um, our, our member here, Kyle, was a little confused by this, but this is actually a very normal um, reaction to the life review experience, whether you're having a near-death experience or you're having uh, this type of life review that happens in segments through out-of-body travel. And it's normal for you to experience the guilt, um, but it, it, it happens for a purpose because it's for the purpose of amendment so that we, you know, we want to keep it in perspective. But there is this normal contrition that occurs when we are shown these things. And I'd mentioned in the previous live stream how I had been shown that you know, here I was thinking that people needed my forgiveness because they had wronged me and stuff. But I actually realized that I needed forgiveness. I needed their forgiveness and that I needed God's mercy. And I needed that so much more than anyone needed to be giving, getting my forgiveness. And that was so overwhelming to me to realize how far off the mark I was. Hello, uh, Anna Yell. Bill Tuck, welcome, and John, hello, everybody, welcome, and thank you for joining. So, so um, Kyle, coming from this Protestant background, was a little confused by that, and he thought it was more of a Catholic thing, but it's actually not so much a Catholic thing as it is just what happens as we go through the purification process. And so, you know, here's a good uh, place to just mention, you know, watching the grand phases of the soul is a good um, thing to add when you're reading the Mysteries of the Redemption, the film, The Grand Phases of the Soul, which is available here at the YouTube channel, um, which helps you to understand this purification process and then the other processes that come after it, where we do go through this uh series of events which are intended to uh, make shifts in our perception. And these shifts in our perception are very necessary. You know, uh, the, the, the defect in the thinking of grace alone without amendment is that there is a sense of not realizing that we actually do have to change things. We do have to alter some things. We do have to alter 
and transform from who we were to who we will become. Um, and we have to become a new man, a new creation in God. And so the idea that that comes without any pain is a falsehood. It comes with discomfort and pain and all the things that we need to try to understand in the sense that uh, we will have to, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> we're going to be corrected and that's going to be uncomfortable for us. And we are going to have realizations that we have had false views and we have had false understandings about ourselves, about other people, and they're going to be uncomfortable realizations and that these are necessary and that guilt in a healthy way is not a bad thing. It can be a corrective thing. And so that's part uh, the first part of Kyle's question. So then here, this is um, where uh, Kyle had a little experience. And we're, this is the part where I was talking about in the previous live stream that uh, this is something that's very similar to what a lot of people will experience when they start reading the mysteries of the redemption. And then they start having these spontaneous experiences. This is very common in the beginning. This happens to both men and women. Um, because ironically, because lust is such a common issue for all of us. And so let me, and he, he actually says, feel free to use this question in a future live stream. So my question was about someone I've seen in a dream, maybe twice now, once several years ago, a nice mystical lady that looked maybe South American came and talked to me or gave me something I can't recall. But then the other night I went lucid into the same dream like four times and was about to make a stupid lustful action. And a similar lady, though younger looking, showed up and shook her head. I was lucid, so I asked, who are you? She smiled, and I got no response and woke up. I wonder if that would be one of my guides. And so he has the experience where he's about to make a stupid lustful action and a younger woman comes and basically does this. Oh, come on, you know, giving him, you know, the indication of what are you doing? Okay. And so this is what I shared with him, what came to me, you know, from the inspiration that I received. And I said, your experience reminds me of the story of white buffalo calf woman. And I asked if he was familiar with that story. Perhaps she was Wakan. And you were seeing her with the eyes of lust, which is, of course, is a big no-no. And of course, Wakan means a holy being. But even if she was not, it is clear that you were being warned about those lustful thoughts. You were about to behave lustfully towards the woman, and you are being directed to think and act higher. Okay, so here's the story of White Buffalo Calf Woman. The traditional story is that 19 generations ago, there was a time of famine. The chief of the Lakota sent out two scouts to hunt for food. While the young men traveled, they saw a white cloud in the distance. Then from the cloud, they saw a woman. 
As they approached, they saw that it was a beautiful young native woman in white buckskin. She had dark hair, skin, and eyes. One of the men was filled with lust for the woman. He approached her, telling his companion he would attempt to claim her as a wife. His companion warned him that she appeared to be a sacred woman, and to do anything sacrilegious would be dangerous and disrespectful, but his advice was um, ignored. The second man watched as the first approached and embraced the woman, during which time the cloud enveloped the pair. When the cloud disappeared, only the mysterious woman and a pile of the first man's bones remained. The remaining man was frightened and began to draw his bow, but the holy woman beckoned him forward, telling him that no harm would come to him as she could see into his heart, and he did not have the motives the first man had. As the woman spoke Lakota, the young man decided she was one of his people and came forward. At this time, the woman explained that she was Wakan, holy, holy and having spiritual and supernatural powers. She further explained that if she did, if he did as she instructed, his people would rise again. The scout promised to do what she instructed and was told to return to this encampment, call a council and prepare a feast for her arrival. She taught the Lakota seven sacred ceremonies to protect Mother Earth and gave them the sacred ceremonial pipe. And the seven ceremonies included the purification lodge, crying for a vision, the sun dance, the making of relatives, the female puberty ceremony, the throwing of the ball, and the soul keeping. Um, each part of the ceremonial pipe, the stem, bowl, tobacco, breath, and smoke, is symbolic of the relationships of the natural world, the elements, humans, and the spiritual beings that maintain the cycle of the universe. So there's the story of white buffalo medicine woman. And it said, so it says, so when you have dreams like this, it's an indication that on a subconscious level, which is snap, which is now slowly working its way to consciousness, you are working to overcome some of your lustful tendencies. That's part of the purification process. Right. So most of us actually begin with these tendencies. So this is actually very common and not surprising at all. However, it's an important part of the purification process because the lustful habit prevents a lot of spiritual progress within souls. So it has to be overcome. It's one of the first things that we take on as we move into the out of body travel experience and then mystical experience beyond. Um, so these things may begin to happen or rather you may become conscious of them as you're bringing them up into your awareness so that you can start to change this habitual response. So this is a habitual response. You know, you have a, a natural unconscious um, response and alter your spirit to a higher level of response to women in your life. Right. Okay. And then. So the way to start dealing with it is to catch yourself before you react lustfully and think. So choose a different response, a response which includes caring about the person you are meeting in the astral. If she is female, is she Wakan or holy? If she is not, what might she need from you? How can you help her soul? How can you be kind and helpful? How can you treat her with respect and catapult her spirit forward? What can you do to honor her? What do you need to know? Why have you been brought to meet her? 
Um, if you start out with the understanding that your lustful desire was not the reason you were brought to meet her, then you will start thinking more correctly and start making excellent progress. And hopefully it helps to know that just the fact that you are becoming conscious of such experiences is always actually a sign that you are ready for the purification process. And this is wonderful and excellent. It's never comfortable when we begin the process and realize the tendencies we need to overcome. But just the very fact that we're ready to face them is a great sign in the spiritual path. So rest assured, this indicates that you are doing something right. You have prepared yourself to move forward on the spiritual path. Now you are ready to take this step, and this is fantastic. This is so common. It's something that is almost universal. Almost every soul will go through this purification of the lustful thing. Um, and so Bill Tuck says, Marilyn, when I was almost dead from endocarditis, I found myself in purgatory being purified of my faults. I realized your teachings are 100% right. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Thank you, Bill, for sharing that. Yeah. And so that's what happens, you know, in purgatory, you know, so that we have the heaven, the hells, the heavens, the hells. I want to make sure we let people know there are more than one. There's an infinite number and the, and the hells, the heavens, hells, and purgatories in between. The purgatories are those purification realms that people often go to after death, but we also can go to them during life, as Bill is explaining here, um, either through out-of-body travel, near-death encounters, and we can undergo purification while we are still alive. Now, here's another great thing to know about this, which is that we can go through purification without even going to these pur purgatorial realms. So for those who are struggling with having out-of-body experiences, here's the great news. You can start the purification process and go through it even without having any mystical or out-of-body experiences. And so if you're trying to have them and it's just not happening for you, there's no... Um, reason to panic um, that um, you can't have these experiences because the, the purification process can still be undergone. You can still go through the process. And ironically, that process is laid out almost as a science through mystical theology, which is basically uh, the science of the soul. And so there's a lot of mystical theology texts that are actually laying out how we go through this purification, um, each one of us individually. And it takes us through step-by-step -step purification on an individual level. So this is one of the reasons I also recommend to people like books, like my favorite book of all time, the Spiritual Life by Father Adolf Tinkeray, which is like one of the magnum opuses of mystical theology. If you want to jumpstart the spiritual purification process. So that's something to consider, you know, as you're going to. But a lot of people find that even just reading the Mysteries of the Redemption, Come to Wisdom's Door is a quick read, a few hours 
Mysteries of the Redemption, as you read it, often will encourage these things to start happening spontaneously. And you'll find you will start this purification process. So that's really excellent. And uh, let's see here. I don't want to miss uh, these questions because, Paul, I want to address your question as well. Let me just uh, put in these comments that seem to be related to what I'm talking to at the moment. MT says, when you are tempted with lust, it's very difficult to act as you process in your mind with earthly body does. This is why it becomes so important that we all purify our action mind through your daily life by having time for praying, meditating, reading books and spirit, things that are spiritually good for you. Girding your thought in daily life becomes so important. That's very true. Thank you, MT. Um, and that's part of, you know, the spiritual practices of prayer, meditation and uh, contemplation, having quiet time. Uh, all these things that are very important um, that actually do generate the spiritual life that out-of-body travel and mystical experience actually come out of. To win the temptation against this lust will be a constant battle, MT says. At least for me, it still is. And I believe that's also, I think that's true for all of us. Um, I remember I had a priest who passed away a few years back said, um, we will fight that battle until 20 minutes after we die. <laughs> and I am willing to bet that we still fight it after we die um, because it's lust. There is a, the, there is what you have is what is lust. It is a, it is a, an abominating of love. Right. And so, when you, when you look at like the writings of Emanuel Swedenborg um, and he talks about what happens in heaven and hell in relation to love and lust, it almost seems in his experiences and what he saw, and I see this as well, that we continue this after death, right? So this, this journey continues where if we haven't purified it in this life, we can end up going into communities in the purgatorial realms where this lust is still an issue, where it still hasn't been processed out. Um, because lust is a backwards form of love. And so, you know, what purification is, is this process where we're taking things, you know, vice is the opposite of the virtues. And so when you're purifying, you're trying to, uh, take those vices that you have within you and transform them into its opposite virtue. And these are different vibrations, different expressions of actual emanation. They're completely different emanations. And so if this is something that hasn't been resolved in your life, I'm sure you take it even beyond the 20 minutes after death. <laughs> you know, which my priest mentioned. So Nicole says, start with Mysteries of the Redemption on your website. Yes, that's the first one to start with. And you can read Come to Wisdom's Door along with that, which will give you, the, that's like the good text to start with on how to have an out-of-body experience. Alongside that, it'll give you the basics to start 
And you'll see there's a whole bunch of books that you can follow on the how-to as well. But Mysteries of the Redemption is where you begin for sure. And Nicole Berkeley said, there's so much info, I get overwhelmed. Well, I am very sorry to hear that. And um, Nicole, if you can, uh, that's really good information for me. Um, I really have a hard time trying to figure out how to organize that website uh, because there is so much info. Um, anything that anyone wants to share with me about um, what would be helpful to them, please feel free to email it to me and I will do my best to try to uh, incorporate it into the website um, as much as I can. It has been kind of overwhelming with all the things that can continue to keep changing technology wise. It's so hard to keep up because it's literally just me. You know, I'm doing all of it. So, <laughs> um, you know, the, one of the next things I would like to do is uh, redo the website um, with some of the new technology. But as you might imagine, the website has, uh, you know, 500 pages on it. So I have to be in a space where I'm going to be able to sit down and literally spend six months, 12 hours a day putting that thing together. Um, so, and yeah, my, there, there's my cat Binkles who's understanding my problem. <laughs> but so that's, uh, but anything that you can tell me, uh, you know, send it to me in an email because I might be able to brainstorm and come up with a way to uh, uh, make it work. And uh, so, all of those are great thoughts. Lots of, I really appreciate all of that. And Nicole, thank you so much for your thoughts. It's not the first time I've heard people say that the site is overwhelming and, and I do agree. I, uh, so I would love any thoughts, any ideas people have uh, to uh, help me to uh, make it more user-friendly. So I want to go back to Paul because Paul had a question up here. And I want to answer him. So let me see what that question is. It's, please, if you get the chance, can you talk about Sophia, the Divine Mother and the Holy Spirit? Is it appropriate for us to pray to Sophia? Is Jesus the same person as Sophia? How does Mary come in? Okay, interesting question. Okay, so... So Sophia is Lady Wisdom. Uh, the Divine Mother and the Holy Spirit are uh, actually, if you go into ancient scripture, and uh, there she is, there's Bingles, um, that uh, Divine Mother and the Holy Spirit in ancient sacred texts and in the early church were actually relegated to being somewhat together because the feminine energy and the Holy Spirit did kind of go together. But this is something you kind of have to understand is not literal. It's not like, okay, Mary was the Holy Spirit. It's the divine mother as emanation, divine feminine, and the Holy Spirit can be seen as one and the same. But the Blessed Mother, you have to remember, was also a person. And so that's a little different. 
So we're going to try to not confuse people here. You see <laughs> now, uh, Pistis Sophia, the lady wisdom, uh, is a particular character that is also seen in the old Testament of the Bible, but there's also the Pistis Sophia who has, you know, this ancient Gnostic text where Pistis Sophia is the ruler of the 13th eon. And she's this uh, emanation from God who falls from grace and then finds a way to re she has to recapture the mysteries. She has to go through all the mysteries to recapture her place as the ruler of the 13th eon. And she does this, but because she is able to do this, she's able to reclaim her place again in creation. And what the Pistis Sophia really represents is almost like a persona of an Eve where an Eve, uh, well, and again, here we go, because there's going to be different perceptions of what is an Eve, because people often, if they don't understand really the whole persona of Eve, they think of her only as the fall. But if you understand all the forgotten books of Eden, Eve was also the mother of humankind. And after the fall, there was also the restoration because Adam and Eve repented. And so there's all these books in the lost books of the Bible, the forgotten books of Eden, where Adam and Eve do the same thing that Pistis Sophia did, which is they repent before God and they have to work themselves back into the grace of God. This doesn't change the situation in terms of uh, mankind and humankind is a fallen race, but it does restore them to grace with God in some way, shape or form. They, they do, uh, you know, they do beg forgiveness of God and, it it's pretty quick. So there, you know, if you miss, if you're missing all these other elements, you can have a very small perspective, you know, of who these characters are. So Pista Sophia is an eon, an emanation. She is like a celestial hierarchy sort of, um, uh, but it's, it, so Pista Sophia rules this 13th eon, but she is also one of these hierarchies who fell from grace and had to reclaim all these mysteries through, through the 13th eon to find her way back, to climb back to where she was originally. Even Adam had to do something similar, but they were human beings. The Blessed Mother and the Holy Spirit are not the same person, but there is the Divine Mother as the Holy Spirit, which is an energetic thing. Because the Blessed Mother 
in the person of the Blessed Mother is one thing, and the Divine Mother as energy, as the energy of creation, uh, is another. And yet they are also one. And I know this is probably as... Uh, as uh, Nicole was saying, I might be overwhelming right now, and I apologize for that. <laughs> and so I would say, no, it's really not appropriate to pray to Sophia. Um, it's, I, you know, I guess, you know, in... When, you know, like, let's just take an example. So, you know, like Catholics will pray for the intercession of saints. So you want to ask the question of what is it that you are asking for when you are praying? What are you doing when you're praying? Um, and so why would you pray to Sophia? So the question, that would be the question. So when you're asking the question of, well, what, what would be the reason? Sorry, there's this, this thing I didn't expect over here. Okay. What would be the reason to pray to one of the archons or one of the eons? And I can't think of any. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying now? I can see, Paul, that maybe you're thinking, well, she's divine wisdom. So I want to pray to divine wisdom. Um, but what? why wouldn't you just take that directly to God? Um, so if you get too complicated here, I mean, you if you want to go into the, because if you're literally going into the Sophia, um, and you can read if you're interested in this, you can go into the Primordial Seed, uh, which is one of the books I've written, also available on the site. <clears throat> and you're going to find that there is some, uh, some of the books, the Hymn of the Savior and all these things, which goes into all of these texts that you're referring to. You're going to find that there are tens and tens and tens and then hundreds of these eons. And then in the eons, there are tens and tens and tens and then hundreds of saviors. And then you're going to find that there is an, basically an infinite number of these emanations that come from God that go out into our universe and our worlds. And so... Literally, I want you to try to imagine, okay, so God is in the center and all these dots, all these emanations coming out, encircling the universe, and you're just going to find any random dot, and I'm going to pray to this or that or whatever. Um, and, okay, but the reality is when you pray, you want to direct your prayer to that which is. You want to direct your prayer to the one that emanates, the one from whom all things come, 
all these emanations originate. So when Catholics pray to the saints, what they're doing, and, um, and it's kind of similar, like Hindus will do something similar as well. They're asking for the soul. So it's they're asking for the soul of a particular saint to pray for them at the throne of God. And they're doing this because there is an assumption that a person who has been made into a saint is a saint and therefore they are residing in heaven. And so the assumption that a saint is in the highest heaven and has this access to pray at the very throne of God for them. And so this is what they're thinking. So when they pray to, uh, they ask somebody for an intercession. See, this is what a lot of people misunderstand this process of why Catholics pray to the saints or even pray to the Blessed Mother. They're asking for the Blessed Mother, who it is assumed stands at the throne of God and has the ear of the Lord Jesus Christ and the God the Father and can literally intercede for them before the throne of God, as do these saints. That's what they are asking. They're asking these saints to intercede for them at the throne, which they believe they are at. They are standing at the throne of God and have that ability and power to do so, that they are there. And in the some of these... Uh, Hindu faiths, I think they believe the same thing. So they're uh, looking for something similar there. And let's see, I'm going to miss something here. Um, so Vanya Pete Patterson asks, is an emanation an eon? Um, an emanation can be an eon, and an emanation can be a million other things. And that's why it's so complex, you know, and if you get into actually reading some of these texts, which, um, you know, I addressed some of it in the primordial seed, um, but there are so many of them, you're going to find an emanation can be literally an infinity of things. Uh, and then once you actually start experiencing these things, so let's say you start having the out-of-body experiences, and now 30, 37 years later for me, uh, flying into the tachyon fields, fly, flying into the beyond of that, what, what I know now is that there is an infinity of ways to uh, manage or understand because what God is and what he emanates is impossible to fully comprehend for us as humans. Thank you, John. We have a super chat. $10. Thank you so much, John. He says, hi, Marilyn. What a wonderful blessing you are answering our questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you so much. It helps us with what we've been talking about, keeping everything going at the Out of Body Travel Foundation. We need all the help we can get. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. 
And what I'm trying to get across here, and Vanya is asking, Paul's asking, um, is that everything is an emanation. So, you know, an emanation from God can literally be the leaf on that mango tree that's out there in the backyard of mine. And it can be an eon. It can be the 13th eon of Pistis Sophia. But then under the eons, there are all these rulers and guardians. And then there are, there are emanations above the eons. There are emanations. So there's... <laughs> There is so much. And then this is only, we're only dealing with right now emanations that are actually recorded in ancient sacred texts. And some of what we're talking about right now are the Gnostic texts. Um, you know, some of you might want to take a look at the aliens of the redemption and look at some of what we have recorded about the hierarchies of the angels and the hierarchies of the extraterrestrials. Um, and, you know, the extraterrestrial hierarchy, you can take a look at uh, the article I wrote for A Greater Reality, which is available on the website, which goes into that hierarchy. And these are the only the things that we actually have recorded. And I can tell you from my experience, what we have recorded is a tiny microcosm of what is actually available and what is actually in existence. When I went to the throne room of God, um, I will never be able to fully put into words my experience there, but I saw God moving in millions and millions and millions of places all throughout our world. That was just our world. And everything was happening, you know, what was, was happening in one second, um, all at the same time. And it was literally, it's impossible for us to comprehend or understand uh, God. God is too big for our little human minds. Um, Nicole Berkeley, can the, call, can the Demiurge intercept our prayers? I think that um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, my delay is that I've got this frog in my throat. I'm trying to <laughs> so bear with me. I actually have just uh, been recovering from COVID-19, so I'm still getting some of the uh, stuff out of my throat. So appreciate your patience on that. But um, so can the Demiurge intercept our prayers? I would say no. Um, and I think that, um, thank you, Adriana. Adriana says you're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> um, I would say no. Um, can they hear them? Sure. You know, we can all hear them. When we go into the astral realm, we all hear the prayers of humanity so they can hear them. Um, the point being, I think that we can make things too complicated by um, not simplifying it and simply 
addressing our prayers to God, the almighty. And if you just simplify and redirect those prayers to God, the almighty, um, you literally are going to save yourself a lot of trouble because these other beings, it is not their, uh, it is not their purpose to be answering your prayers or to be uh, doing these sorts of things. It is their purpose to be running various aspects of the mechanics of existence. And so we can get confused and think that, oh, well, if Sophia is divine wisdom, I should pray to her. But no, she manages this 13th eon, this realm of the mechanics of existence. And that's what her purpose is. Her purpose is not to answer our prayers. So we do best when we simply direct our prayers to Almighty God, because those prayers then go there. And then whomever is to be assigned it, it is literally a split second, it goes. And this is what I mean when I say I can't explain the throne room. Because literally, if there is another being that is to assist you, they will be instantly notified. So, you know, an example of this is when I have been called in to help with souls who are in purgatorial or hellish realms or even souls on earth, I'm amazed at how the instant a soul calls out for help, help is sent. And that's because we send it, we send those prayers to almighty God and it is instantly received, instantly processed, instantly sent to whomever um, is to execute it. And so we can really simplify. And this is one of the things when I talk about uh, humbling ourselves and surrendering to letting God run things, you know, so not only in the out of body experiences, but in our prayers too, of let him take it and send it to whomever he chooses because he knows who needs to handle it. He knows who needs to, um, be answering those prayers and who will uh, know what to do and who's equipped to uh, uh, respond and also how best to do it without there being interference from dark forces or things like that. Because yeah, all these things can be very, uh, uh, very they can be very convoluted if we get too mixed up. So Joe Harrison says, very interesting to say the least. Yeah. So one of the things just to keep in mind about these, um, these emanations, these eons, the demiurge, all these things, just keep in mind how um, that these are things that we learn about the mechanics of how existence is working. 
we don't know these things because all these beings are there to serve us. In the big scheme of things, these eons, pleromas, demiurges, they're not there to serve us. They're there to serve creation as the mechanics of existence itself. And understanding that will help you to understand better that um, we could really just confuse ourselves if we just, you know, try to, okay, well, I'm going to pray to the pleroma. I'm going to pray, you know what I mean? We're, no, you don't need to be doing that. These are beings and emanations who are literally, you know, handling how creation works, the mechanics of it all. And they're not really there for, for our benefit. And this is why praying to Almighty God is always the simplest way to go. Um, for those who pray to for the intercession of saints, uh, I think I explained why they do this and why uh, it's beneficial. And you, obviously you've seen that it is beneficial at times. Um, and so that's cool. But um, there is a different purpose for those beings, those saints, than for an actual uh, emanation of creation itself. Because the saints are human beings who have sanctified themselves to a certain level versus these emanations who are actually elements of creation. So I hope that's helpful. But let me see what everyone said here. Um, let's see. Uh, Nicole says, oh, that is relief. Thank you so much. I've actually been worried that God can't hear me. Maybe that's where the purification process comes in, I think. No, no worries. God absolutely can hear you. And it, it, you know, don't worry about the confusing parts that we don't understand. You know, like, well, how does he hear me? Because, you know, the more we realize how small we are and, you know, we can, we can, we can overwhelm our minds with, but how, you know, don't worry about that. Just know that he does. I mean, one of the things I've definitely been shown in beautiful, amazing and overwhelming ways is that he does he does and he knows he knows every hair on our head you know he knows when the sparrow falls just as we've been told in and you know by jesus and the scriptures it's uh something that is very true we don't have to always understand how we just understand that it is so um bill tuck says i have carefully studied the mysteries of the redemption and met Marilyn in spirit at her astral school. I now have a complete astral life at night, totally separate from this world of illusion. Oh, that's awesome, Bill. I'm so glad to hear it. Um, and feel free to share more about that experience. I think a lot of people would be interested in hearing that. There are a lot of my members who have found uh, through their experiences, you know, we do have the out-of-body trial foundation, there is a mystical side to it. The out-of-body trial foundation on the other side. Um, ironically, too, a lot of our members who have passed um, do things there. They help volunteer there. They do work there. They help out. Um, 
We have members that go there at night, have uh, the angels work on them, make frequential shifts on their on their spirits. Um, and there are there are classes and, and training that happen there. And Bill has been one who has had a lot of experiences there that he remembers. And a lot of members will find that as they become more and more conscious, that they experience this more and more and realize that the Out of Body Travel Foundation is not just here, it's over there too. So <laughs> Paul, thanks a lot for clarifying this issue because a lot of confusing stuff online. Well, I'm very glad, I hope that was helpful. I hope I didn't make it more confusing. Paul says, I have found that chanting repetition of the divine name crucial in purifying the mind from lust. Very helpful, uh, very good reminder for our other question that we were talking about. Very true, and it's something that is utilized um, in uh, many traditions, not just the Christian tradition. So um, very good reminder. Thank you for bringing that up. Joe Harrison, Astral School. See, this is very interesting. Um, I left one group because I think and analyze way too much. Very interesting, Joe. And, um, you know, it, it's okay if you are you know, normally analytical by nature because some of us, you know, we have certain characteristics and that's fine. So don't, don't beat yourself up for it. Um, but definitely, you know, start with the mysteries of the redemption and try to allow yourself to kind of just fall back into it. Um, especially if you know that this is a tendency on your part, just allow yourself to fall back into it. Because what happens is people just kind of get opened up um, and see how that goes for you. And of course, always feel free to write me, email me, let me know what's going on. Um, and of course, people, I always ask people, send me your questions and stuff via email because I, I keep them all and then address them in these live streams. And, um, and so I would love to hear about what's going on. And so Nicole says, what about devotion? How important is it? Um, you know, I think it's important. And, you know, it's interesting because we go through ebbs and flows of it. Every person goes through periods where they just feel this, the Holy Spirit is really energizing their devotion. And then they go through a period where it kind of pulls back and it's harder for them to, to feel it and, and pull through and be constant with it. And it's important to understand that that's a normal ebb and flow of the spiritual life. So you don't get, you know, really discouraged as that happens uh, St. Therese of Lisieux was the saint who talked about this probably the most, um, you know, about the desert, being in the desert of dryness, you know. And so I'd like to just point that out and throw that out there because I hear that from a lot of people. Um, and of course, I experience it myself. And so devotion is very helpful. And, you know, one of the reasons why I think that, you know, doing the Liturgy of the Hours, which is talked about in the Primordial Seed and the mysteries of all that, uh, and, you know, the fact that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer of the church and every, you know, the religious, the priests, nuns, 
brothers, monks are all praying that prayer every day. And then when people uh, are praying that and all praying together, and then when someone tries to take that on as a little bit of a discipline, it generates this devotion that does open up this spiritual door. <clears throat> and so I think that that's part of the reason the Liturgy of the Hours has this power to it. And other types of devotions are also helpful in that way. And devotion is uh, part of it. And, you know, finding what type of devotion, discipline, or, you know, daily practice. And I always recommend daily prayer, daily meditation. And I talk about the lengthy meditations, especially for beginners of up to three hours. If you're trying to start opening that door to the vibrations that lead to out-of-body travel, because you need that period of time for the consciousness to get down to that level where you can reach the vibrational state. So we have phantom detectives. Hello. Hi, everyone. How are you? Hello. It's welcome. I'm glad to have you with us. And um, we're all doing good as far as I can tell. And um, it's great to have you on board. So glad, um, glad you're with us. Um, so we are kind of running long on this one. But as I mentioned, I have a pile here of questions. So what I'd like to do is go ahead and um, end this live stream, but I'm going to come back here in just about five minutes and uh, take on some of these other questions that I have. Uh, so I'm hoping that every one of you will come back and join me for the next live stream so we can talk about the next questions. And I appreciate so much you joining me. Please subscribe to the channel um, and also consider becoming a member. Helps us to keep our stuff available for free to everyone. Again, check out the website, outofbodytravel.org. Our books are available for free download. Everything's available for free download. So please check that out. Nicole says, understood. Thank you for making things clear. It is very helpful to me. I am so glad to hear that. Thank you so much. Adriana says, thank you. Phantom Detectives, good, good. Thank you. And I hope you all come back and join me in just a couple of minutes. And we will take on some more questions. All righty. We'll see you then.